In a world full of movie podcasts, here is one more. Welcome to Defend Your Movie with Sean Donnelly and Andrew Fiore. The time has come again. A champion must Everybody and welcome to another edition of your favorite podcast, my favorite podcast. Uh, I think Governor Cuomo's favorite podcast, <laughs> Defend Your Movie. I am one of your hosts, Sean Donnelly, and I am joined here with the ever so amazingly just just conceptual and just completely, you know, just wow. what a cute man. What a, what an absolute <laughs> adorable man. Uh, Andrew Fiore. Ah, thank you, Shawnee. Boy, I'm going to have to step up my introduction description. That was it, lovely. It's, that it's hard day. to think. I, said, so I also, I don't know, I don't know if it made sense because I said conceptual. I don't think that made any sense. <laughs> <laughs> well, in the Zoom world, it kind of does, I guess. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Andrew. A bigger picture of my home life. Yeah, absolutely. How are you, buddy? How's everything going? I'm doing well. Uh, thank you very much. It's another week in quarantine. Um, it seems like things are loosening up, loosening up a little bit, uh, and some things are maybe getting back to normal. But we are here for you, as always, with yes. another round of Defend Your Movie. That is the constant and the normal you can count on, peeps. That's absolutely true. And Defenders, we appreciate you so much for listening and subscribing and, and reviewing. And, and let's, like, that's a huge, huge, yes. huge part of it. Please, 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 please remember, well well. remember to subscribe and review. And, and let us know, like, what you're watching during the quarantine. You're like, for sure. You, you have matchups and, uh, and like, and a friend of ours, I, I don't know if you know, you know Jeremiah Murphy is a comic that's on Facebook. Well, sure. I'm, friends with him on, I'm friends with him on Facebook. He's a comic that's all over the place. But uh, and he, he's been doing these great, some of them are ridiculous matchups, but he's just been throwing, putting two movie posters next to each other on Facebook. And I can't, I can't help myself but comment on his matchups. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're not even like close buddies, but I'm like, oh, come on, man. You got to be kidding me. Like he put Midnight Run versus like, I think he might have put it first 48 hours. And I was like, Ooh. and I was like, no, not even a contest. All right. So we've all been in our you know quarantine mode and you're right. It's loosening up a little bit and you're wondering, you know, what do I get to do now that it's loosening up? And in New York City, that isn't much. I think if we all lived somewhere else, uh, it would, would it be a, we'd be yeah. able to do more. But even the gatherings wise, there's a new thing on the, on the comedy front. These, uh, these drive-in shows that I knew would happen. Yeah. If it couldn't hold us down, we're like cockroaches <laughs> into the surface. So I guess they're putting, they're just having comedy shows straight up or are they, are they having comedy shows before the movie at the drive-in? Well, the one that I uh, was asked to do was outside a diner, the Bel Air diner which had yeah. been doing drive-in stuff. And now they're doing the same sort of setup where you drive and you park and the comics get up on the back of a flatbed of a pickup. <laughs> so uh, I don't know how that's going. I saw some clips of the first one with some of our friends, uh, Joe List and John Fish, and uh, it didn't look great. Yeah, I kind of wonder if I was asked to do one, if I would just do it for the sake of like seeing if I could do it. Yeah, you know, that kind of thing. It's just, you know, rehab, getting back to the gym after four months off, you know, it's going to be brutal. It's going to, and it's not an ideal setup either. So it's like, not, that's an understatement. Jesus, on the back of a pickup truck in front of a bunch of cars, not ideal is like being nice to it. Are you kidding right. me? That, yes, that is a, nice. yes, that is a uh, horrible setup. And I, I would hope it's probably one of our friends that runs it, right? Who is it that runs the show? Yeah. Jay Nog. Yeah, Jay. Jay knows how awful it is. I saw, I saw, I saw the clip of it. He's talking about how awful it is, but he put it together. It's like, come on, man. Like, like, you know, whatever. So, and we all know it. So, I don't think anybody, it's news to anybody that performing sure. to a bunch of cars. It feels like you're a stand-up comic if the world got taken over by Transformers, probably. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it, it, hopefully, it'll feel like uh, old times again, despite everything that else is going on. And you know, I, I'm starting to see more people. I, I've loosened up the regulations myself a little bit. And well, let's be honest, you weren't that tight to begin with. But okay, <laughs> I was but, uh, doing pretty good. I was standing <laughs> home. I'm I was. Kidding. You you were by yourself. That's what's hard about it. 
Yeah, exactly. So, uh, no, I, I, I've gone over to people's houses now and we've stayed a, at a safe distance, but you have to see people and get out there. We're social creatures, you know, and especially me. I can't fucking, I can't do it anymore, man. You so, need human contact. Absolutely. But that being said, I have been at home uh, alone watching some movies like we do. Yes. And what did you watch uh, this week? So I was digging into the archives, Shawnee, and this one that I watched was on Amazon Prime, a film from 1998 that I never saw before. It's called Twilight. Have you ever seen that one with Paul Newman, Susan Sarandon, and Gene Hackman? And a small role by James Garner. Twilight, no. I had never heard of it either. Kind of came up on my Amazon Prime search. Paul Newman basically plays a retired policeman, private investigator, who helped out Gene Hackman and Susan Sarandon. They're a married couple, and they're actors, and Gene Hackman is now sick, and he's basically Paul Newman living in their pool house because he's down on his luck. He's an alcoholic. That old you know, detective yeah. trope. Right, right, right. And he basically rescues their daughter, a very young Reese Witherspoon. Oh, wow. Added bonus, quite topless in this movie. Really? Yeah. I had no idea Reese went topless in any of her films. And I didn't uh, know that either. I guess Boy, we- it was a real treat for the old quarantine kid over here. <laughs> Talk about needing some contact. Jeez. Oh, it was fantastic, baby. And uh, wow. yeah, young young Liev Schreiber too, or ever the hell you say his name. Lee, but, Liev uh, Schreiber, yeah. So yeah, the the you know, the plot of the movie is then basically uh he is trying to now solve a murder and a crime all tied up to the whole family and everything else, and you've got another uh late appearance by M. Emmett Walsh. Really strong cast. Um it was okay. It's probably a reason you don't know about this movie more because it wasn't the strongest, yeah. but it, it works based on the strength of the cast alone. The cast is so good. That's, that's you know? such a good cast. Jesus. So uh, if you're looking for something in the quarantine to watch and you want to see uh, the old the Reese's Pieces, <laughs> give it a look. It's <laughs> a pretty good dad joke. Hey, yeah, watch out, Reese's so. Pieces. Yeah, <laughs> so, and then the second one I watched, uh, I watched last night. I don't know how this one got by me either. I feel like you might have seen it from 2017. Kill the Irishman. Oh, I never watched it. It's it great. Be, I, I'm very careful with like the Irish themed movies like that. Where I'm like, like ever since Boondock Saints, I get very weary because I hate Boondock Saints, and a lot of people yes. love it. Well, uh, let me clear the air for you. It really is based on a true story of the Cleveland Mafia, and oh. the Irishman is just kind of the nickname for Danny Green, who was a real life guy who kind of did his own criminal enterprises aside from the mafia. At the time, they kind of let everybody do their own thing as long as business was good. And then, of course, there's all sorts of conflicts. And it's based on a true story, Cleveland Mafia in the early to mid to late 70s. And it was great. I loved it. It was a good mafia movie. A lot of good actors in it. Uh, Val Kilmer, Christopher Walken, a lot of the Italian actors you see in every mafia movie ever. Um, But really fun, really good mafia movie. And I enjoyed it. Yeah, nothing like Boondock Saintsy at all. And not like Irishy at all. It's just kind of like, oh, Danny, that's the Irishman. You know, it's more of a nickname. Oh, okay, 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 okay. That makes sense then. So highly recommended. Well, I'll tell you, I, I realized I watched three things, but one of them I'm going to bring up uh, because it's something that you watched. Oh, all right, sir. Uh, and I want to tell you my opinion of it. Um, Den of Thieves. Oh, I liked it. I liked it a lot. I know you liked it a lot. Um, I, did, I liked it way better than I thought I was going to. Me too. I thought, what's his name? I tell you, I couldn't place the lead, but I, the lead meaning uh, uh, Pablo Schreiber. But I, Pablo I like, Schreiber, was, yep. But because he looks so different, he's like Diesel in this. He's a little bit older. He's actually my age. We're the same age. Uh huh. And the guy looks fantastic. But um, but he's like Jack, and they must have gotten them all jacked for this movie. And um, yeah. And he's kind of more understated than normally is, and he plays way di- plays it way differently than his character. And like he does a lot of comedy stuff, not comedy, but like in The Wire, he plays kind of this schmucky white boy from the the docks kind of thing, right? In the second season of The Wire, yeah, he plays then, uh, Ar- Ar- Nick. He plays Nick, yeah. And Orange is the New Black. He plays this like 
this cornball blowhard uh, CO guard in the in the jail. Like, and he's yep. kind of a, and he's also, but he's also, an, he's also super aggressive. And but he's that's the whole point of him, you know. And the half brother to Liev Schreiber. Yes, he is. That's why I thought of it. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, um, I liked it. It's too long. That's a little thing. long. The. Um, the the turn there's a turn in it. That we yeah, I was gonna away. say. What do you think about the twists? I I liked it. I kind of. I um, the whole I I, I I didn't put it together, but I, you almost don't put it together because you don't think it's that type of movie. Yeah. It kind of switches genres on you. Don't realize that it's old switcheroo. You know whatever it is. Yeah. So I I did like it overall. I thought Pablo Schreiber was really good in it. Actually, it was like he's. Because like, he played kind of a good badass, like ex-military badass. Yeah, like, he was great. Yeah. Uh, and and you don't well, mind Curtis Fifty Cent Jackson either. He's just kind of you know. No, that's it's you don't think about it. No, not at all. No, he and he's like he's, he's good. Decent. Like like he's like he's good in it. Like it's that kind of movie. It's like a good action movie. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's an action heist movie with uh with an and a con movie as well. It's got three like kind of sub genres all wrapped into one which is why i enjoyed it and then it's got some twists and turns so it kept you on your toes and it kept you thinking and then you at the at the end you go oh all right pretty cool i like it yeah yeah it's worth checking out check out uh den, den of thieves it could be shorter so if you have if, now quarantine is perfect because if you have a lot, you have a lot of time <laughs> in your hands, it doesn't yeah. matter but uh normally i'd say this should be like an hour and 45 minute movie like an hour and 40 minute movie yeah yeah like it should have been like they could, really, they could have made it really great if it was shorter that's the only complaint that i have yeah um, I, the only thing i didn't love the rogue kind of cops it's like oh the la cops are such badasses but it, yeah I mean, it but fine, i think they were trying all... to they were trying to tongue and cheek it like they kind of made mention of it yeah where he's like and also that's also i don't know if i liked <sighs> Gerard butler i don't know if i like him in general I agree, kind of. I, I don't. Th- I think he's like thought of as better than he is. Like he's kind of. Do you ever see Law Abiding Citizen? Yes, yes, yeah. I, I don't know if I like him in that. I, like, yeah, like, he's one of those guys I can't make up my mind on. Law Abiding Citizen is a movie with a twist. Uh, yeah, you want to. That's that's how I feel. You want to like him, but I don't right. like him. Like because he's supposed to be this big badass. Because he's in Three Hundred. He's in like he's supposed to be like right. an action guy. Yeah, and he is. But I nothing, no performance of his. Like I'm not a 300 fan, nah. so no performance of his. For, for a lot of people, I think what happens is this: you need the 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 movie for these action guys that makes you go, "Well, you're this guy every time I see you now." And for me, yep. 300, the Jason was, Statham's, Jason Statham, right, exactly. And for that, a lot of people like still think of him from Snatch, and like and like how he's badass in Snatch. Great. Uh, so. You need that like thing that sets your relationship with the action star for you to be like, oh, this is just the guy and he's awesome, whatever it is. And Gerard Butler never really had that from me. Like, I don't, I don't read like three hundred as a movie, so whatever. But I also watched uh, Birds of Prey, the the Harley. <laughs> Dude, I hated it. Did you yeah, see it's it? not great. It's not great, man. Like, like first off, how if you're making those decisions, how are you not? It's not just a Harley Quinn movie. Why are you, and it would have been really good if it was just it concentrated awesome. on her because Margot Robbie played a great Harley Quinn and ha- looks the role, acts the part, but they tried to make it too feministy and girl power, and they have to have everybody in it, and you just go, all right, I get it. Well, not even, not even that. It was not just not even that it has to be feministy and girl power, which it was. Not even that because and also some of the some of the. The storytelling techniques were awful. The ju- jumping yeah. around was too much. Um, but besides, not even, I wouldn't mind it. If it was about the birds of prey and they were dynamic and each one of them, like, I think, but you're watching this and Margot Robbie is so good. You don't care about uh, uh, Canary. What's her name? Black Canary, whatever her name is. Yeah. Or, uh, and you don't care. Rosie Perez's character. I'm sorry. Like, I don't care about your storyline. I don't care right. about any of that. Like, you know, whatever it is. So uh, if they, if they made them more like comic booky and like dynamic and like, they're really like, Oh my God, look how, look how amazing they are. They would match up to the, to, to the level of the Harley Quinn character. I would have been maybe more into it, but yeah, novice people, non-comic book people, which I consider myself. Cause I didn't sit and read a bunch of comics when same, I was a kid, but same. I always liked them. But like, I liked the art, but I would never like sit and, and be in the world, you know? Uh, but Harley Quinn is such a standout. How are you not just going like, 
guys, we can't tell anybody this, but we're just going to make a Harley Quinn Deadpool and just steal the, 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 the beats, steal the, the totally. tone, Great and idea. then write our own script, obviously, and our own, our own plot, but you could have it absolutely it could have been a Harley Quinn. Like, they even kind of have hints of what her origin story is. Could have mm-hmm. been that. Could have been another. Uh, that would have been great. I would have loved to watch yeah, that. Yeah. And make it a more localized story. So it's just about her. Like, she's an anti-hero. So she's not siding with the cops, but she's trying to help this girl. The, 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 Asian, the, the Asian teenager lives in her building. Something's happening. Ewan McGregor is the bad guy in this movie. <laughs> right. He threatens to do something. She helps the teenager. This way, she keeps still keeps her reputation as a bad guy. Like she, you yeah. know, what I'm saying, like, and you have a very local story of her just thwarting Black Mask, whatever his name is. Uh, you know, uh, Ewan McGregor. Yeah, I just yeah, have so you. many. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to ask if they did, because I honestly don't remember. I watched it on a flight. Did they give more of her origin story in Suicide Squad? They must have. I just never saw because it. I yeah. just don't remember. But yeah, I agree with everything you said. It was like, I, you know, I watched it as a quarantine watch and yeah. I, I like those movies, but yeah, it could have been such a better film because you had the, you had the ingredients, but you, you didn't cook the meal, baby. Absolutely, dude. It was really, I'm watching it going, what, what are you doing? What are you, what's going on? Like, what's going on here? Why <laughs> right, you, right. Like you, it starts off with the thing. She's like, we broke up. And it's like, oh, you, you and Joker broke up. So you're going to go on a mad, uh, yeah. Fucking tear, tear, and that doesn't happen. It's just so, it's so bad, man. It's and also the beginning makes it seem about her stuff like that, you know. Yeah. So that's one of them, and then the last one I'll say real quick is I watched um, the last Matrix movie. Oh, I don't believe I've seen it. Really? I was never a huge Matrix guy, so I think I. Oh, gave I love up the Matrix, uh, but you're, you, if you weren't, if you didn't give up sooner, you'd give up on the on the last. The last one's so convoluted; <laughs> okay. it's not that fun. It's not whatever. They're doing um, a fourth one, a fourth and a fifth one, or something. Or the girls. What the girls? The girls. The, the Wachowski sisters. Yeah. It's so crazy to me. I was like, yeah, we uh, started this trilogy or uh, whatever as men, and we ended it as women. <laughs> That's, that's a that's a movie first, I think. I think it is. I think that's, that shows you how stressful making movies is. Yeah, absolutely. You don't want to be a, be a guy anymore. I, I bet that I. I mean, with everything that is available now, CGI and all the technology, though, I'm sure they're going to do amazing things with the fourth one because you forget that first one was ninety eight, ninety nine. I know, you know so I not what imagine, technology was. But you hope today. that them having too much uh, resources doesn't ruin it, where it makes it look cartoon. Yeah. Yeah, but I, but I think you're right. I think they're going to do the right thing because they were ahead of their time. They like those movies still the, the effects still hold up. Like they watch, and those movies are from 20 years ago, more than 20 years ago. And I watched those movies, or I guess yeah. those weren't. 2003 was probably the last. But it's so long ago that you're, but you're still like, oh, I, I don't see, I, I, I you know, you're, yeah. you're right in it. You're not being taken out of it with crappy effects. Yeah, you know? the the uh, John Wick universe has scratched my Keanu itch for me. You know, I, I don't, I <laughs> yeah. like those better than the matrix. Well, that's funny. You said that because it wasn't the stunt coordinator, the guy who directed or the second, the assistant director on matrix. Oh, maybe I don't know is who did John wick. It's somebody who works on the matrix. That's why he did it. Uh, he did it for like scale. And he like, I, I think he like gave even on the matrix. I think he gave his last, the last salary for the last movie. To like the the crew and their families. That's, oh wow! Like, like great. He, he's just a good dude. I think. <laughs> Can't I agree. like it. I like it a lot. And so I think he kind of did the first John Wick as like a like almost like a favor. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, Shawnee, before we get to the meats and the peats, we got one sad note that I forgot to mention you the head, uh, beforehand. R.I.P. Richard Hurd. You might know him as Mr. Wilhelm. Oh, George's oh. old boss at the Yankees. Oh, man, he died? Yeah, Richard Hurd passed away. Great side character. He never really gets talked about too much, but he just he just went in there. He was like a baseball player. He got his at-bats. When they counted, he swung and he hit for the fences, and he was yeah. a great side character. Wilhelm? Who is Wilhelm? <laughs> they call me Tanya. <laughs> yeah. Which apparently I didn't. I had to look that one. That's like a direct reference to Patty Hearst and the and the PLL. Yeah. Oh, I mean, it makes sense. Yeah, I think her name was Tanya. Her code name was Tanya yeah. in I the People's I, Liberation. I think I might have known that, but like separately from the Seinfeld. Yeah. Obviously. Most uh, of the world that's... is carpeted. <laughs> carpeted and cleaning. <laughs> but uh, 
You're looking at the new head scout of the New York Mets. <laughs> he had he some was, great ones. He had some good collaborations with George. It, it, he's it's a all standout, downtown. He, he, like once you're in there, once you have that, that, that Seinfeld royalty, if I see anything uh, else, I pick you right out. Come on, George. I told the big man you were moving on this. <laughs> <laughs> You've got to go downtown. It's all downtown. <laughs> Well, that's so R.I.P. Richard Hurd. Yeah. He uh, he looked exactly like Carl Malden. <laughs> but, uh, he did. He looked right? just like Carl Malden. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure he got that his whole life. But uh, oh, sure, that's probably always why he... sad to see somebody from our favorite uh, uh, go down. We've been losing too many lately. It sucks, man. But oh, that's another thing. I I didn't know we live. I especially me over here in the store. I walked by the, the Costanza's house last week. It's five minutes from my house. I knew it was in Queens. Wait, are you sure it's the actual one? Yeah, because I looked it up. And okay, okay. Yeah, obviously it's just the establishing shot, obviously. But right, um, right, right. When Jerry Stiller passed away, somebody took a photo and put it on Instagram. It was like right near in my neighborhood in in Astoria, and I always knew it was in Queens. But I didn't know it was in Astoria, so I went and actually looked it up. And then I was walking around with our friend Greg. And we found ourselves right on 37th Street. I go, hey, I think the Costanza's right around. It's so close. And once you see it, you go, oh, boy, that is it. It has not changed, dude. Did you take a picture in front of it? I took a picture from across the street because there was a lady sitting in the front yard, and I didn't want to bother her because I'm sure she gets it she a couple gets times all the time. a day. Yeah, so yeah, I kind of no. took a clandestine photo, but I, I put it on my <laughs> stories. But, man, it looks exactly the same. It gives you that warm feeling inside. You just go, ah, it's the Costanza's. Oh, that's awesome. I'll give the screen. I got to check it out. What's that yeah. on 37th Street? Yeah, it's on like, uh, I'll, I'll, we'll go over there one day. I can't remember the cross street, but it's right here in uh, Story of Queens. So RIP to all the, the senior members of the Seinfeld crew we've lost recently. To be honest, they've, they've lasted. They were old in Seinfeld. They've lasted pretty long. So uh, anyway. Get down to the meats and the beats? Let's get to the meats and the peats. We've got a, uh, a bridge and tunnel standoff here today. Oh yeah, we sure do. And I, I gotta be honest, I have the. I don't think it's a battle for what's the better. It's not. It's a clear cut, dominating victory. But yeah. it's just mostly uh, trying to come up with ideas. I said, uh, how about we do something from our home states? And our home states are neighbors. Uh, we maybe should have brought somebody with from Indiana in here or something. But we figured we'd just talk about. Uh, the great movies of our home states of New York and New Jersey. Sean being from Long Island, I'm from North Jersey myself, and uh, a lot of movies have been made in the in this area. Absolutely, and a lot of great New, movies. New York has the advantage of being New York, but Clearly. I'm actually that's why I'm more interested in what your picks were. I jotted down about five that I think would be the top, not even top, interesting New York movies that you might not have thought of. Okay, cool. Yeah, because so, we all know we, the big ones, obviously. So, well, the big one, a couple of them are the big ones. So, yeah, but uh, so I think we can get it out of the way if we talk about. Well, one of the big ones is one of your favorites, which is Annie Hall. Yeah, Annie Hall and Manhattan. And Manhattan. So they're, but yeah, exactly. You can't have a movie called Manhattan really without. You know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Man, I guess you have Man, the Manhattan project. Manhattan, That's Tennessee. Kind of like, <laughs> Manhattan, Kansas. Um, <laughs> Uh, so, uh, and the other one was, I was thinking it was Goodfellas. Goodfellas is all over. Sure. That is a New York, that's in Long Island. That's in. Yeah. Queens. Uh, Queens, Brooklyn. JFK, Idlewild. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. So those are the biggies. And I think they, it's it, one, the great thing about those movies is, um, and it's going to sound corny, but they're time capsules. So yes. not only do they get to show you New York, they get to show you New York during the best time of New York, the way everybody thinks about New York. Right. Because if you, I'm making a lot of enemies saying this, but I, New York for me, I'm I'm from not too far from the city. I, it's it's not cool anymore to me. I don't think it's cool. I see. Uh, I don't. I don't. I think back in the day, back in the times when these movies were made, it had this edge to it. It had this cool. There are a lot of cool scenes. Yeah. It was up and coming. It was an art capital of the world. Now it's just kind of like a, a, a nest, a, a, a nest for millionaires. You know, it's not. Yeah, exactly. So I think it, that's why watching these movies, it, it's very nostalgic and it makes you think like, oh, what a cool city. You know, I agree 100 percent. We've talked about this numerous times. I love movies from the 70s, especially. I it's Yeah, it's that thing. It's it's I've lived here since the early 2000s, but you romanticize any era that you didn't grow up in especially the 70s and the 80s in New York City. It had that danger to it. 
It was going bankrupt at one point. There was riots. The Bronx is burning. But all, you also have the Yankees are winning championships. But, you know, you got Ed Koch and all the – was a, it was just crazy times. Like you said, yeah. it was still a city of the people, not necessarily a city of banks and corporations and, you know. Yeah. Uh, what unfortunately it's turned into today, but you have such great, they're like dog day afternoon. You've got Serpico, all those Lumet movies that are great. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was just a really great time for the city and for movie making in the city. And the way it is for me is that I, I really wanted to be a movie director and I went to tried to go to film school and try to take film classes. And I wasn't into, I don't know why I opted out of it. I, maybe cause I, I, I thought from doing it, I would enjoy movies less. I, I, I don't know. I could have That's tried to fair. do it, but it was like, yeah. But, um, but one of the things back then was like how many cool things were filmed there in New York. Like if you were a film director and then it was the seventies filming here was like actually original and unique. Yeah. Yeah. If I was making a movie now, I'd want to set it, um, anywhere else besides New York. I'd want to set it <laughs> in somewhere where you don't a really a cool city that you don't know much about the up and coming city that you don't know much about, like where people, a lot of like, cause then it, then it like, it, it, it acts as a character for the movie. Cause that's, that's one of the reasons sure. that I loved one of the things. And it's not a movie. It's a TV show. Flight of the Concords. Okay. Uh huh. Good show. I think they're funny. Yeah. But flight of the Concords. One of the best things about that show is that they filmed in the most non, in the most unique New York uh, locations, there was like these random parking lots in Queens, and like it was like it was all stuff that's never been on film before, <laughs> right? But it was still a New York show. Like they were in New York, they were filming yeah, in New York, yeah, yeah. but they were doing it like they would do it like on, the, on like uh, you know uh, Little Neck Parkway, or whatever it would be, like something where like nobody was going to. That's what should be happening if you're going to film in New York, like. Like every, I agree. Every other area has been done to death, you know, whatever it is. It's been done to death, but I still say when someone gets it right, it still can make for a great backdrop and a great movie. Because the city becomes a character on its own without being a, a written into the script. Do you know what I mean? It still holds. How many that. times? How many times have you seen that character in the movies? You know what I mean. Like, how many times are you going to see the arch at Washington Square Park? How many times are you going to see the Chrysler Building? How many times are you going to see somebody coming down a Midtown Street? How many times are you going to see a hot dog cart be used for an action in a movie? Like, it gets to a point where it's like, not that I'm saying nobody should do it. I'm just saying you have to think of new, inventive ways of, sure, sure. of, of showing you. the city if you're going to do it. Yeah. Yeah, uh, because I, there's so many times where it's like ah, that New York moment that's becoming so cliche. Ah, and yes, it's been cliche for a long time. Even when in the 80s and 90s and these movies were being made, I get it. Like you, you have tons of movies were made in New York, and there's a reason for it. It still is the greatest uh, city in the world. It's the greatest city. Absolutely, ground, ground zero for Corona. But <laughs> I think DC took us over actually in terms of numbers. But that's for numbers. oh, did they? Oh, okay. That's, so. that's for our Corona podcast that we, we did right after <laughs> yeah. this. Uh, but my point being, don't get me wrong, I still love it. But it's like one of those things where. I think really to be a New Yorker, you have a love hate relationship with the city. And I've got, I've gotten to the point with that, with movies with that, where, where I'm going, ah, I'm so sick of seeing it in movies, but I think people what are about a movie. Like what about a movie like 25th hour that kind of uses it as that backdrop of we're doing things. It's one night. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Yeah. But I, it's just more of a setting in that movie than like, right. It's well, not that's like, what I mean. When you use it like that, it's understated and it's still, yeah. Uh, so yeah, don't get me yeah. wrong. I, I would, I'd be, I'd be more with that than I would be with, with what, like making it like this is a New York movie. Like yeah, I, it just yeah. becomes corny after a while. But like, um, but yeah, if you're having it set here and it's and then but the but like it's they also had a lot of uh, indoor locations in 25th Hour and and that's true. It was it was filmed. I think it was filmed here because it was Spike Lee. But you're right, like. Uh, I think he knew not to make it like, eh, it's gotta be New York, but it, like, but it, but it feels New York enough. Yeah. You know what I mean? Cause uh, as we're even talking, I'm thinking of a million movies. I just, wa I just watched the oh, end wow, of there's a million. when Harry met Sally, which is very New York. And that's there's very so many French connection. Um, I mean, French there's connection. A, there's a new documentary on William Friedkin that I really want to watch. Uh, I can't remember, but it's something, it's something Friedkin. And uh, apparently it's just, you know, a documentary based on his style and his way he makes movies and just groundbreaking stuff. So if you have watched that, please let me know if it's any good because I want to check it out. 
But, well, I'll tell you, I thought of one, it's not even on my list, but I want to mention it because it's one that kind of speaks to what I'm saying. Like, it was, it's in the early 90s. It kind of showed, like, a lot of movies glorified, like, even Seinfeld kind of did it. Like, they didn't make it, they romanticized New York. A lot of films romanticized New York. Quick Change with Bill Murray. Ah, oh, what you. a fucking great one. <laughs> shows you how shitty New York can be. Yeah. And the whole thing, the whole time they're just trying to get out of New York. It's pretty great. What an underrated gem of a movie. Oh, my God. It's fantastic. Is that Bill Murray's direct? Is he a director of that? I think he might have been involved in that. Somewhere. Did he direct it? I didn't even know that. I, I'm surprised um, I didn't know that. But, or, or maybe I could be completely wrong on that. Uh, but I love Quick Change. It's Randy Quaid, Bill Murray, and Gina Davis. Uh, it's so, so good. It's such an underrated company. Yeah, it was uh, Howard Franklin and Bill Murray directed by it. Yeah, I knew it how- Okay, okay. It's got one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my entire life. It's such a great line delivered by Randy Quaid when they pull into... They, they're lost in Queens and the car comes to a halt and they just look and there's a group of Mexican people all standing around this church, a little boy rings a church bell and you see two guy, two Mexican guys on bicycles bless themselves. And then it's with, with gardening hose. It's a Mexican bicycle joust. But they have like sticks. They have like stick ball sticks. Don't they? Uh, bass, one don't guy's they? got a hoe and the other guy's got like a rake. Oh, okay. <laughs> and the one guy goes down and, and it just cuts back to Bill Murray and Randy Quaid. Randy Quaid as he's, Putting the card in reverse, he goes, bad luck just seeing a thing like that. <laughs> <laughs> it's such an underrated movie, man. I'm surprised that's not on more people's lists, but it is great. It is, it is, it's great, and it's a very New York movie. It's very yeah, New York. very New York movie. They're, 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 it's just them trying to get to the airport. You know, yeah. that's the, that might be the most New York movie there is. You can make an argument that's the most New York yeah. movie there is. Yeah. That's mostly, a lot of the time, you have mil, a million New Yorkers just trying to get to the airport. You got, you, if you didn't live here, or even if you had anything kind of, like for me, if I had come into the city without GPS when I was a kid, you don't understand how easy it is to get lost in the city. Oh my God, yes. And that's why it was so great. Now uh, it's obviously not a question, but still. I want to say one thing before we move on. I'm not driving to the airport. <laughs> <laughs> Seinfeld reference. Um, all right, but let's go with one of your picks. I, I named like three New York ones. Already. All right, well, I'll give you kind of a, a trilogy here. Uh, very famous from being from New Jersey as a director. Uh, is Kevin Smith and it's Mallrats, Mallrats clerks chasing Amy. Yes, um, and you and, know, I'll give you, you, and that I said them in my favorite order. I like Mallrats the best, then the clerks. I don't love chasing Amy because it doesn't really hold up. The it does not hold up at all. Brutal. It's very nineties and very. It's not great. But I love Mallrats as a comedy, and I I give props to Clerks because it was original. It was super original at the time. And I was in love with it when I was in like eighth grade and in 93 and 94. I, I loved it. I loved the, the language in it. I loved that it was Jersey. They played street hockey. Uh, it, and the, just the quick, the quick change, the, you know, not the quick change, the, uh, the quickie mart, like the Wawa quick check style stores are such a fabric of New Jersey thing. I, I just loved them when I was growing up. Yeah. So you, that's the thing. That's what I wanted to ask you because, you know, from, from trying to figure out your list, what makes a uh, Jersey movie a Jersey movie? Ooh, that's a good question. I think a Jersey movie is more steeped in local references because you don't have the identifiable backdrop that you do with New York City. Right. So you have to have things written in like malls and convenience stores like that yeah, and like local references where they actually go, yeah, he's from South Orange. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's like yeah, they're actually yeah, naming yeah, things. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, he's got pork roll, egg and cheese, Taylor ham. Um, so Kevin Smith was always really good at that. He was always really good at weaving and stitching uh, either T-shirts with high schools on them or local references. Kevin Smith was very good about that. He was famously... You know, Red Bank was where uh, Jay and Silent Bob's secret stash is, and he actually yeah, I've, I've driven by there. The comic book store there. I wonder if it's life. still there. You think it's still there? I think it actually still a thing because they did that TV show a couple years ago from there. Yeah, yeah. 
But, but yeah, yeah, I think you're right. I think it has to be like town names. The hockey is kind of part of it. I think hockey's a big thing where you're from. The way I feel it, when it comes to Jersey is you have to have those local references because... Yeah, the shore, the boardwalk, uh, all that good stuff. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I, I have a couple on my list that I don't think people would think of. Well, one of them, which I've only seen once, so I don't remember too much. But I remember being a decent movie, but you want to talk about a New York movie, 200 Cigarettes. Have you ever seen that movie? I have not. Uh, it was always something when I was like a, a, a independent film student nerd. Yeah. Go, oh, it's that, that kind Jim of movie. Jar- Jim Jarmusch, right? No, I don't think it is Jim Jarmusch. Let oh, me see. Who's actually from New Jersey. Um, is that, oh yeah, maybe, a, maybe is that a, a collaboration? Yes. It's a, got a huge ensemble cast. Right. Um, but no, I never seen that. It was it's always been on my list and then I, I never got around to watching it. We got to tell you, ready for this this cast? Christina Ricci, Paul Rudd, Guillermo Diaz, who's from Half Baked, he's the, uh, the the Spanish dude. Uh, ben Affleck, Kate Hudson, Courtney Love, Martha Plimpton, uh, Casey Affleck, Gabby Hoffman, Angela Featherstone, who I don't know who that is, Janine Garofalo, Dave Chappelle, uh, David Johansson, but must your point extra, Elvis yeah, Costello, yeah. Uh, Jay Moore. Uh, yeah, so it's got like a huge cast. I'll tell you this, Shawnee, a lot of New Jersey rep- representation in there. Yeah, oh, is there why Jay Moore and those Jay guys? Jay Moore, Janine Garofalo, uh, somebody you said in the beginning, I can't but remember. This but. whole movie, from what I remember, this is why I jotted it down, is just them walking around the city talking. It's all a lot wall to wall dialogue in Manhattan. And I don't think they go outside Manhattan, but it's in Manhattan. Yeah. And I think it's like, all these friends are trying to meet up. I forget. I, it's it's kind of a forgettable movie, but it's not bad. I don't remember being like bad. I just right, remember right, thinking right. like, oh my God, there's so much talking in this movie. So much talking. <laughs> and New York City, if they kind of have a bunch of cool New York City shots. I'll give you one from Jersey uh, who stars a couple of people from Jersey. I don't know if you've ever seen The Station Agent. I never have with, 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 uh, um, Peter Dinklage, who grew up in my hometown of Marstown, New Jersey, uh, is really good in it. Uh, he's very, still pretty young in this. Uh, also has Bobby Cannavale, who's always great. I really always like him in almost everything he does. Is he from Jersey? He might be from Jersey, but I'm not sure. And gosh darn it, if I can't remember the third actress's name, but, um, She's good. It's a, it's a, it's a weird independent movie. It's very New Jersey because of the train stations. The train stations are very identifiable in, on New Jersey transit. Yeah. And if you've lived here and you've taken the train to the city your entire life, you go, yeah, they captured that perfectly. But it's, it's a very actors. It's a, it's a movie. You can tell that they were very proud to be actors in. I feel that way about eternal sunshine of the spotless mind, because it's one of the only movies to feature the Long Island Railroad. <laughs> I don't know if they... Representation for the LIRR. What did you say? You think there would be more uh, representation for the LIRR? Yeah, I know, right? I know. that's It's such an iconic train line. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so... Um, uh, Patricia Clarkson is who I was trying to think of. Oh, Patricia Clarkson. Yeah, I know yeah. that is. But uh, uh, good little Jersey movie. It's got some actors from Jersey in it. And it's worth a watch if you are looking for something because it, it is an interesting story about uh, Peter Dinklage plays a very antisocial guy and Bobby Cannavale plays the exact opposite of that. And so it's kind of a weird friendship. And then they both kind of uh, fall for Patricia Clarkson in their own ways. Uh, so it's a unique story and I, I, worth checking out. Cool. Another one I have is I brought up a – I have. A very uniquely Brooklyn movie. Uh, well, one the, the main Brooklyn movie that most people know is. Uh, I mentioned the director already. I w- am going to say uh, um, not Crooklyn, but why? Uh, you know what I'm thinking. I can't just can't do think the right it. thing. Do the right do thing. The right Thank thing. you. Do the right thing is probably one of your quintessential Brooklyn movies. Absolutely, Brooklyn, much Brooklyn more so the than is, uh, the Squid guess, and Whale uh, bullshit. Well, yeah, that and also I think. Um, Francis. Uh, uh, I don't like that genre. No, what's it called? The one with Marlon Brando. Um, I'm uh, not Stella, sure. On Stella. the waterfront, though, is Jersey. Uh, oh, is that Jersey? Okay, yeah. there you go. 
I mean, I was thinking of that on the waterfront. But another really, really great Brooklyn movie is uh, is Smoke. Have you ever seen Smoke with Harvey Keitel? It's a Jim Jarmusch movie. I is what? Uh, what's the actress in that too? I forget, but it's Harvey Keitel. I haven't seen it in a long time, but it's Jim Jarmusch, and he owns he owns the. Um, Cigar store and it's uh, all the different all the different uh, people that come in and uh, he tries to go. Oh, Forrest Whitaker's in it and um, Michael from Lost might be in it. He might be the kid in it actually. He might Michael from Lost uh. might be super. I think he's like super young and he's the kid in it. And then he comes into the store and I think he gets in trouble at first and then he stays over his house and. Uh, then he goes down to see his father, and it turns out Forrest Whitaker's his father, and he kind of doesn't, doesn't want to see the kid. It's a whole, there's a lot to it, but it's good. It's really good. Okay. Uh, but but it definitely has a, a I guess maybe maybe it wasn't so much smoke. Smoke it has Brooklyn in it. Blue in the face, which is a movie with the same characters, and the reason they made it is because Jim Jarmusch had so much money left over from smoke, so they just made. I feel like Jerry Garcia's in that movie for some reason. Hey, I think he is. He might be. Yeah, yeah. He might be talking about cigars or something. Who knows? But I think like, he's uh, playing the guitar with, in a scene with Ashley Judd, which is why I'm asking. I, I know the picture because I'm a Garcia. Uh, that might be, of course, you know, because you're a big deadhead. But um, That's the only reason uh, I know. That's the only reason you know. Yeah, uh, you might be right. There was a lot of, of cameos in, yeah, yeah. in Blue in the Face. Blue in the Face was more lighthearted. It had to do with the cigar store. Uh, it was more vignettes, I think. So, yeah, it probably makes sense that they would be playing guitar in, in Blue in the Face. All right. It's good. It's, it's, it's like, it's like has that indie vibe, like you said to it, where like that sure. 90s indie vibe. Oh, yeah, that was like, a great era for indies. Aesthetically, <laughs> this is so cool. I know, <laughs> I know about, I know about film because I know about blue in the face and smoke. <sighs> Chiaro Scuro, bro. Um, but now it's like, who gives a shit? But, here's one from the great North Woods of Jersey, a classic 1980s Friday the 13th. Isn't that a great Jersey film? <laughs> Friday the 13th is Jersey? Yeah, they're all. Camp Crystal Lake is New Jersey, baby. See, that's the thing. You have to think of that kind of stuff where it's like you can have like rural movies take just technically take place. That could have been in, 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 in freaking Wisconsin. Okay, sure. Yes, <laughs> but here's the thing is that uh, it's widely known that they were filmed in New Jersey. They have the New Jersey license plates the whole time. And if you grew up in that woodsy part of Jersey... Those woods are very identifiable. They look exactly like those Jersey woods. I know those so well. It looks like my backyards growing up. And that really? added a scarier element to me when I was a kid because it was so close to what I was growing up in. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah it's going to happen to me. <laughs> that makes sense to me, you know? Yeah, for sure. But that's a, that's a kind of a throwaway one. I, we, Jersey people always take pride. They go, yeah, there's uh, Friday the 13th was filmed right over there. 14 kids died. But um, <laughs> it's just a fun one. Mine. I'll give you another one here too that a lot of people are split on, which is a movie about the Garden State called Garden State. Zach Braff's they I'd say that's a Jersey movie, yeah, because it's, it's about going back to Jersey. Jersey. Movie. I mean, people are oh, split, you mean on, split it, on liking it, whether yeah. they liked it or not. I kind of I liked it when it came out. I don't know if it's held it held up as much for me. It's got a great soundtrack. Uh, I think it's. It's pretty good in the way they represent uh, teenagers or people in their early 20s killing time and going to house parties in Jersey and doing drugs and drinking and stuff like that. That's very accurate. It's obviously shot on location in a lot of the towns around where I grew up in. So it's very identifiable to me in that regard. So uh, I'll, give it, I'll give it a thumbs up over a, th a thumbs down for me. And also, I think that scenario happens a lot in Jersey. The kid, the kid who went out to LA and had, you know, and then comes yeah. back, you know, that kind of thing. There's a lot of people, I don't know, a lot of people in my past that I knew, like, not even show business wise, they just went out to LA and then came back. A lot of East Coasters come back to the East Coast, like, eventually. Look at Seinfeld. It's because the East Coast is the, is the best coast. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I have one that we've talked about in the podcast before. It's a very New York movie and a very subculture kind of movie. Uh, Kids from the oh, 90s. great which one. was this Larry Clark movie written by Harmony Corinne yes. uh, and starring Leo, Leo Fitzgerald. That's his Fitzpatrick. name, right? Fitzpatrick, sorry. From Jersey. So Fitzpatrick and, uh, and uh, Rosario Dawson is in it. 
Yep, and a young Chloe. She's like, I think she's probably like seventeen in it. But they it might have been her first movie. Chloe Sevigny might have been her first. movie. I think it was Chloe Sevigny's first movie. Yeah. Um, that's about it for kind of big name stars, but but it was like the most. If you lived at the time that came out, do you remember the controversy that came out of oh, this movie? Yeah, like, I don't think I was allowed to go see it. It was one of those things where my mom was like, I don't want you watching that. And you're like, well, now I'm going to fucking flock to it. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And it's nothing. It's, 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 I was like, I think I mentioned before on the podcast, like, I was adjacent to that world, but like, I had friends Same. of mine who knew people in the, in the movie. And, uh, and it's pretty realistic. It's, it's almost, if you're from the suburbs, it's how you felt about going into the city and hanging out with hundred <laughs> percent. It was dangerous and it was kind of exciting so, and scary, but, uh, that's yeah. What we and, did, that's one of the things we didn't mention. Making, uh, living in the city takes away that, that, that danger to it that yeah, you had absolutely. when you were a kid and you were mad. Like there's a great Jim Brewer bit where he goes, where he goes not bit, but, uh, he does a line in a joke. He's like, "Oh, switch it, switch it, Jamaica!" Like, like so. Like, the suburban kids. <laughs> when you're growing up, you could be 20 minutes from Manhattan or the Bronx or Brooklyn, and you still think of the city as the city. And what that's yeah. code for is that's where that's where I hate to say it, but it's true. That's where minorities live, and I'm I'm scared of that because I'm a suburban white kid and I'm I'm ignorant and I don't yeah, know what yeah. I'm, you, know, you know what I'm saying. Like, we had that. We, we we didn't have the experience of that at all. So we, so then when you start doing it, you're like, oh, this is cool. Like, you, like you think it's hundred percent. You don't think you're cool enough to go in and hang in the city. And then when you start doing it, and then when you live there for fifteen fucking years, you're like, get me the fuck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's funny how you start to go. You, I gotta get to the suburbs. <laughs> <laughs> you go reverse. But kids is great. It's 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 heavy, man. Because it it I mean it it's. Deals with kids and AIDS, you know, and yeah, it's, it's a super heavy topic, but it's not. Yeah, it's it, you're absolutely right. It's it has the AIDS thing in there. It was at the peak of that. I think it came out what year? 90, 94, 95, I want to say. Yeah, and it, had, it was peak, peak, peak. Uh, people being scared of AIDS. So not only they're just creating all this danger within the movie because there's even like a scene where they all the kids beat up the dude with the, the skate the skate their skateboard yep. in the park. And to be honest, like I've been in situations like that where people, like security guards, could chase down. But I seen kids chase down security guards, and I got to fight myself with my skateboard and had to like swing it to like survive that kind of thing. So it was super realistic. It's not the best movie in the world, but it does give you a glimpse. It's almost how I felt about mid '90s, where I was like, oh, it was like a wannabe kids, and it was fun to watch, but it was it's not a great movie. You know, it's not a yeah, great like, like you could make a movie that's set in that world that actually is pretty substantial. Well, but, I'll wrap it up with my two that I have left on my list. And I, I really narrowed this down because there's a bunch of great ones that I left off. And of course I, we were both leaving a million out because there's so many made that you just can't cover in, in one show. But uh, I'll start with this one. Cause I, I like my final one a little bit more, but uh, actually a bunch of Todd Solon's movies. Welcome to the dollhouse. Is oh. a in the city. But the one I really was with the other one is happiness, which is, I mean, this guy makes a, Speaking of fucked up heavy movies, this guy majored in that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He, I would say nobody has beaten him for the heaviest movies that I've seen. Like the saddest. Yeah. Oh, just gut wrenchingly. Just this guy was so tortured as a kid. This, I feel every time you see a Todd Solondz movie, you don't even, you're not sad about the movie. You're sad that he created it. You know what I'm saying? You're sad <laughs> right. that. That's a great way to put it, dude. Do you know what I mean? You're like, you're like, oh man. Yeah, because you had to draw that from somewhere. Yeah, you're like, I wish I would have been your friend, man. Like, I'm sorry that you had to go through that, you know? <laughs> like, we know people. Like, you know, comedy breeds that, too. Comics yeah. are bred out of fucking torture. And, you know, we know people that we're friends with. It's like, I wish I could help you out, man. That kind of yeah. thing. But Todd Solomon's movies, are a lot of them are amazing. Welcome to Dollhouse is great. Happiness is the only movie that I love that I'll never watch again. Yeah, <laughs> I know so many people like that. It's uh, great, it's, but you just go, I don't need that in my psyche anymore. But, the topics are so heavy. It's not a rewatch kind of situation. You you get through it. And you no. go. That was fantastic. But I never want to see that again because I uh, I don't want to deal with it. I don't want to deal with the feelings of, or the topics. Because oh man, yeah. And, and, and um, also speaking of comedy, it kind of deals with a. Um, it has I it guess some like, of you could find some dark humor in some of them, but it's very dark. Uh, it's super dark and there's like, there's actually humor in it, but it's dark, dark, dark yeah. humor. Yeah. 
Uh, uh, I remember, I, I, oh. right when I moved to New York, I saw Dylan Baker, one of you know the yeah, great character great. actor over the yeah. years. But he plays a pedophile in Happiness. Yeah, he plays a pedophile in Happiness, and it was uh, it was like one or two years after I saw, and I was just walking in Union Square and I saw him, and it was like <laughs> Happiness is still fresh. I went, you son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's what's hard about playing those uh, those yeah. roles like that. Gotta be he's so a hard. great character actor. He's an amazing character actor. He's he's fantastic. Um, uh, you you know what I was thinking of, kind of a oh. uh, uh, as a kind of auxiliary to, I would say maybe a New York Todd Solondz type is very Darren Aronofsky. Uh, Requiem for a Dream takes place oh, like that Coney yeah. Island, yeah. Brooklyn, and like. But I still don't think of him as a New York filmmaker. I think of other directors as New York. You know, Scorsese. No, maybe not necessarily a New York filmmaker, but Spike he Lee does or, use it like you know in Black Swan. He'll use uh, you know Lincoln Center as a, a backdrop. Yeah, I think the topics of his movies and the fucked upness uh, outshines the setting. Yeah, exactly. The fucked upness. Um, so and then the last one is uh, a Darren Aronofsky film is The Wrestler, very New Jersey. Oh, super New Jersey, super yeah. great movie. I haven't watched it since it came out, but I I feel like it would hold up. Holds up, it's fantastic. You watched it? I've seen it a few times afterwards, uh, and it is powerful and great. And they get that very New Jersey kind of Southern feel to it. It's, you know, Asbury Park, kind of the Pinelands, and yeah, and talk uh, about utilize, utilizing present day Mickey Rourke. Yeah, and that was wow. his kind of that was his. I don't know if it was a complete comeback, but he well, he did. It was, was and I think much. he screwed it up again. Yeah, he wasn't doing much before that, and then that was a comeback from Mickey Rourke. I think now it's kind of done. Like I think he does whatever. Yeah, it is. Yeah. But it was the perfect role for him to play. After all, it was almost like sometimes you have these movies where the the, the actor's personal life matches what's going on in the movie almost. Right, right. And that's you would you feel like oh he probably could really take that down deep for this role because you, there's a lot of he seems like on his face there's a lot of pain going on in, in his life. You know, Botox. <laughs> well, let's wrap this up, my friend. I'm sorry. I had, I had interruptions. We're probably going to edit it, but I oh, apologize right. for that. Yeah. Uh, uh, and did you, uh, do you want to plug anything, my friend? Uh, nothing really to plug, unfortunately. Stand up is still at a halt, but hopefully that's coming back soon, as we talked about. And uh, if you want to see us out there on the road, contact your local clubs and see if they're see what their status is. Yeah, can you call the clubs and say that you want to bring me and Andy to do a a back to back stand up yeah. show? Tell you, want the, you want Cool Breeze and the Dutch to come to your. <laughs> uh, you can you can listen to my Sirius XM show. They're doing a free streaming trial. Uh, for uh, three months so please if you like what you hear here we both have our own individual shows mine is the raw report it is every thursday at 4 p.m on sirius xm 99 that's the raw dog channel and uh, yeah we interview you know comics and celebrities and actors and all that good stuff and it's it's a fun hang so please check that out and you can find them all on demand as well and mine is Celebrate. It's on Raw Dog 99 every Wednesday at 4 p.m. And I'm at Shawnee Time on Instagram and Twitter. And like I said, make sure you guys subscribe, rate, and review to the podcast. We really, really appreciate it. And it really helps the show. Uh, thank you guys so much. Thank you, Andrew Fiore. You are very welcome, sir. And we will see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.